This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. What's up, podcast party people? Hello. Welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. I'm your host, Shane Told, as I take you through yet another episode of myself talking to another lead singer about what it's like being a lead singer in the studio, on the road, and everything else that goes along with the job. Today on the show, Mr. Ben Barlow of Neck Deep. Um, You've probably seen the shirts. The uh, fuck neck deep shirts or neck deep generic pop punk, you know, they really have this self-deprecating thing, which I don't know how much I like it because I actually really like the band. I think the band is awesome. I don't think they're generic at all. Uh, So we talk a little bit about that. We talk about this crazy amount of hype that they had, you know, being this new signing to Hopeless Records, how that felt. Um, We talk about a whole bunch of things. We talk about football. We talk about... Just the whole idea of being a lead singer and the persona you're supposed to have. So this is a really, really interesting podcast. And I really love how you can have a conversation with somebody that's you know closer to my age. I'm in my mid-30s. Or you can talk to somebody in their early 20s. And a lot of the same things are going through our heads in different generations and different walks of life and different musical situations. So I really enjoyed this conversation. And I know you will too. Before we jump in, as always... I love for you guys to get in touch with me. If you've got a Snapchat, hit me up on there. I'm pretty active on Snapchat lately. I know it's like really stupid and lame, but man, I think it's just so much fun. And you can post stupid shit and it's gone in 24 hours. Like, who cares? So add me on Snapchat. It's real Shane told. Also for the show, we have a Twitter account, which is great to get at me. Just boom, 140 characters. Let me know what you think of the show. If you've got suggestions for future guests, whatever it is, that is at lead singer sin, S-Y-N. We got an Instagram account at lead singer syndrome. And of course, if you want old-fashioned email, it's leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. And if you're one of the diehard Lead Singer Syndrome listeners, you're probably pissed at me because it's like 11 o'clock in the morning on Monday and I still haven't put the episode out yet. I hear from you guys, man. I've actually had a couple people hit me up on Twitter and be like, "Um, Shane, you know it's Monday. Um, you didn't forget, did you? <laughs> no, I never forget the day of the week. And I do I do take this show seriously and I try to get the episode out whenever I can. But, you know, I do live a busy life with Silverstein. I just got back from China, Japan and Macau. I had so much fun, but man, I am so jet lagged. I feel like I've been jet lagged for like two months. So thanks for your patience. If you're one of those people that listens to the show like immediately when it gets put up, You guys are awesome. You are what keeps the wheels moving on this thing. And I have some news for you guys specifically. We are going to launch a VIP, whatever, fan club, whatever you want to call it. We're still working on a name. If you've got a good name, let me know. I think I got a good one, but I don't want to spill the beans just yet. And not to worry, this podcast will always be free to listen to. But there are a bunch of diehards, and we want to service you guys. So we want to give you more. 
So for a low cost, you'll be able to join this program, which we're working on right now. And we're also going to have merchandise. And we're going to have all this stuff. And it really is cool because I never knew the potential of this show. I just thought, hey, it's a cool idea. It's a lot of fun. And I've been enjoying it so much. So stay tuned for that. The Lead Singer Syndrome fan club, for lack of a better word at this point. For now, if you want to support the show, if you buy anything online, I know I say this every week, but it really does help keep the lights on around here. If you use Amazon, if you buy anything off Amazon at all, just use our affiliate link. It is leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. It'll take you right to the Amazon homepage. You log in as normal. You won't even know anything's different. But everything you buy, we'll get 4 to 6%, and it costs you absolutely nothing. So I know you guys hear this, and then you probably, oh, shit, I'm on Amazon. I, don't forget, because it really, really does, does make a difference. I mean, you buy something for 100 200 bucks, that really is like the server cost for a week or whatever, and, and it really, really does help us. All right, no more babbling. Let's get to the episode with my new friend, Ben Barlow of Neck Deep. Hi Shane. Hey, what's up? How you doing? Good. Yeah, I got um, I got Ben here. Nice. Um, I'll put you on to him and you can get started. He's he's still kind of waking up a bit, so. Oh yeah. Oh, I'll uh, throw some water on him, dude. He'll be okay. Yeah, I'll put him. I'll put him on right now. I think sure. it's ironic. It's lead lead singer syndrome. <laughs> oh, I, I know. I, I love shit. Yeah. This kind of shit, man. I'll, thanks, thanks, I'll Ian. Put it, no worries, man. I'll put him on. Sure. Hello. Hey, dude. Hey, man. How's it going? Good, how are you? Still waking up? Uh, yeah, well, I've been up since, like, like 6.30. I woke up to watch a football game, so I decided to, like, go back to sleep for an hour, so... Was it, uh, was it Man United? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I you saw, know. yeah, no, I've seen pictures of you wearing, uh, wearing the kit, the so... Shirt. Yeah, man, yeah. that's the thing out here. i got to wake up super fucking early to catch the game, so I haven't, I haven't been as lazy as New he's making it out. <laughs> are you able to watch, like... You guys have it on like on your bus, or do you just stream uh, yeah, it? Yeah, we're on a bandwagon, so we have like the cable. They have um, it's all on NBCSN now. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, like all the Premier League games, pretty much are on there. So that's pretty sick. Well, yeah. I mean, also, I guess you're lucky that you support a team that's very popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially like around the world, United are just like that's kind of their thing. Is that like around the world they are the they're the team? So. How um how did you I mean because you're from Wales right yeah so how did you become a supporter of a team that's you know way up there um well it's it's like our nearest big city like either there or Liverpool oh, everyone yeah. from where I'm from is either a Liverpool or a United fan uh, with like a few other teams scattered around there because like we're about ten minutes of away from the border of England mm. so like there's like a big there's a big rivalry almost type thing with 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 the England Wales thing, but uh, yeah, everybody sports English teams just because yeah, our hometown team like suck. So <laughs> that's the truth. Much. Yeah, no, yeah, I I, yeah. Uh, I always think it's like weird. Yeah, our our tour manager's from I guess he's from Cornwall originally, and okay. he lives in Brighton now, and he's yeah he's a Man U fan too. Oh, so okay. I guess yeah, it's that's like, a little bit weirder. That's like even further away. I'm yeah. only an hour away from Manchester. He's right, like, but London has like a London again has like a bunch of fucking like Man U fans. I don't know why they're just a big team. Yeah, it happens. I mean, like here, like you know, I'm a baseball fan, so yeah. there's like New York Yankees fans and Boston Red Sox fans like fucking everywhere. Yeah, you know, yeah it doesn't yeah. even it's, matter. It's, it's like someone's parents or something, you know. Yeah, that's pretty much how it is. Like, so, like that's how I got onto it. It was basically my brother was like the first person to hand me any form of like jersey, and it was yeah. a United jersey. So I was just like, cool. I guess yeah. this is who I sport now. Yeah, I was like, I was like a huge fan of the Charlotte Hornets like NBA team when I was a kid. The okay. only reason I was was because like I had a shirt of the team. I don't know if you know where I got it. Yeah, and it was just yeah, like a no. cool logo. And I was like, okay, sure. I like this team. And then you know, it's like funny how that happens like for no real reason yeah yeah that's pretty much it for me like yeah like just super young didn't know who it was no like prior kind of like you know uh like 
judgments towards anything. They probably didn't even like football at the time. Yeah. And then, yeah, just like, oh, cool. Yeah, I guess this is it. And then I think, like, my best friend at the time supported him, too. So it's kind of just, like, got into it together. And, yeah, yeah it's and great, though. I do love, it. do love a good bit of soccer ball. There you go. Yeah, we, we call it <laughs> soccer. No, uh, yeah, and now, as an adult, um, you can probably get stabbed for wearing that in the wrong place. So, uh, great. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Dude, so, so yeah, yeah, man, waking up, fuck, like, waking up in the morning that early that can't be good for your voice. No, that's kind of why I like almost wanted to go back to sleep so I could have like a little bit of rest time. Yeah. Uh, like a little extra rest in before, but well, we're not playing for a little while now too. So I've still got a while to rest, but yeah, early, early mornings are not, well, I guess that's kind of also the, the, you know, the, the upside to me always waking up late is that I get to rest my voice, but the real reason is just because I'm a fucking terrible sleeper and I'm usually up till 6 a.m. myself anyway. Yeah. So. No, like every – I'm always the last one to bed like on you know on tour on the bus, like always. I don't know yeah. why. I don't know what it is. And I've talked to I other singers and, and I, don't I don't know. know. I think it must – yeah, I think it's kind of like maybe, again, like being a singer, I think a lot of, a lot of singers tend to be quite introverted despite the fact that – they're quite extroverted as well, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because we, I think as a uh, as a lyricist, you have to be pretty introverted. If I know some some vocalists don't necessarily write their their lyrics, some some other members in the band might write them for them. But that usually means that if you know if you're introverted and and all that sort of thing, you're usually thinking a lot. So being up that late, kind of last one to bed, I think is suits the 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 vocalist stereotype, you know. Yeah, always thinking kind of thing. Definitely. So you write uh, you write the lyrics in your band like one hundred percent. Yeah, pretty much. I've written like ninety nine point nine percent of the lyrics for Neck Deep. Like, bar maybe one or two lines here or there that somebody has kind of just like you know uh, thrown an idea at me for right. or something like that. Like, but yeah, pretty much, pretty much all of them. I'd say that's probably my stronger stronger my stronger hand is my. Uh, my lyrics. Oh yeah, you think that that's your that's one of your strengths? That that's interesting, yeah. man. Because um, I I'll tell you, like you know, you're still you guys are still a young band. You're like what, 22? I'm 22. Yeah. yeah so it's like funny because I I mean when I was younger, like your age, I fucking mm. hated writing lyrics, dude, and I didn't think I was good at it. And <laughs> it actually took me a long time to kind of feel like comfortable and like you know write something and i was like yeah like yeah i kind of like this like for me my strength was always like writing melodies and as as a musician like as a you know like guitar player so i always hated writing lyrics until like maybe the last like i don't know four or five years i'd say okay no i've always thought it's been my strong point like as a even kind of as a school student and stuff like i was i was always like pretty bad at like maths and science and stuff like that stuff never really like I mean, I did okay in it, but it never really gripped me. Where I was like English and stuff is where I was like real good, and like that was where all my good grades came from. Was like English and writing and um, and drama and things like that. Like I don't know. I think I just had a thing for for words. Bit of a wordy, wordy guy. So yeah, the um, artistic yeah, right. side. I get it. I mean, that's that's the way it's supposed to be with uh, you know us artists. You know, we're supposed yeah. to be all. Oh yeah, man. No, just like it's cool, and like not know anything about business, and yeah. just you know be that yeah, tortured artist. That, that yeah. is almost me. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm probably guilty for that. As far as like our band goes, like when it comes to like the business side of things, like I just don't really pay much attention. Like I, I'll chip in here, and that. it's more it's more the things that I'll chip in on, on uh, if it affects the way that like. Uh, how our band might come across or if it's kind of like a, almost like an imagey kind of thing. Like say it's a merch design or something. Right. That's when I'll pipe up. Like as far as when it comes down to like the numbers and the figures and all that shit, I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah. So (laughs) you're even like somehow artistic about the business side, like anything business you're like, it it still has to be like artistic that you care about. That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about your merch. Let's talk about your merch because we've never met before. I've never spoken to you. It's our first time meeting. And I've always like wondered about you guys being with this like, okay, neck deep. Like you got the generic pop punk shirts. Or like I saw one recently that's like, fuck neck deep. They're shit. shit. 
you know and then i was watching you know poking around the internet watching some youtube video and you're like yeah like our shit band you know what yeah what like, is that and and what is what is this self-deprecating thing that you're that you're doing i think it's more just like um i think it's a lot of like maybe a british thing a slightly british thing but also a case of like we we you know like i would say like we were one of the first bands of this like new generation to like get like a lot of attention really quickly and i think for that reason a lot of people kind of wrote us off didn't think we were legit thought that we were like a bunch of fucking posers or whatever and it was like well no you know things are different and like we have worked our ass off and we're at where we're at but it was always just kind of a dig at that as well like oh people people always write us off and think that we suck just because we're we're this new band you know we're this new band that uh, everyone was like this hype band or whatever so it was kind of like that it was kind of a little a little dig at that like oh let's okay if we if we also kind of say like yeah we suck wish it like we don't care then you know what can what can people throw at us like nothing really so yeah it was more of a it's more of just and as well as well we're not we're not afraid to like take the piss out of ourselves we're not we're, right. we're real we're not we're not standing here acting like we're the sickest band of all time like we're not sitting here acting like with this crazy like deep really meaningful like yeah like we'll really take ourselves seriously kind of band like no we don't take ourselves seriously we know that like you know it's it's just pop punk it's not not the most complex and like right. you, know, you know intricate um intricate music so whatever like it's it's and it's almost part of like the whole um the whole like attitude i guess that goes along with it is of of just yeah like don't take yourself seriously just sure. whatever make make fun of yourself it's fine like you know and as well i think it's just a a, a, a real thing as well you know if you if you can laugh at yourself other people can kind of connects you a little bit more i guess maybe they think all oh, right okay if they can laugh at themselves they obviously don't take themselves so seriously maybe they're a little bit more approachable maybe they're a bit more down to earth kind of guys I totally guess. well i also think part of it is you're saying it before someone else has the chance to say it to you first do you know what <laughs> so i mean that's it. like yeah, i think yeah, there's probably course, yeah. a little bit of a defense mechanism in there too i don't yeah, know if, you're, if you'll admit to that or not um a little bit yeah probably like in not in like a reactory way, if you know what I mean. Not in like, mm-hmm. it's not like we're reacting to things like that, but it's more just a case of like, yeah, we're aware of it. So like, haha, said it first, like sure. whatever. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. But I also think that part of that probably comes from, like you said, you know, you guys having so much hype so quickly, um, people being like, "Who the fuck is this band? Neck deep? What does that name even mean?" You know, people right away just coming out <laughs> with like, "What? Who is this band?" Um, yeah, you, you know, I totally understand you know, where that's coming from. And you guys being so young and having so much success, like, I mean, we're talking about like in the first six months of your band, yeah. like, you know, coming, you know, putting anything out, you guys are already blowing up. Was that hard yeah. for you guys to kind of understand? Did you guys feel like, like you were deserving of it? Or did you feel like you're kind of pulling the wool over people's eyes early on? I'm not sure. Like it's, it's like, as far as I'm concerned, I, the only other musical thing that I did was I was just played acoustic and played like shitty local shows and like busked. And then like a bunch of the other guys in our band had always been in other bands and had toured Europe and toured the UK. And it always ended up just being shit and always losing a bunch of money. So like in that sense, like, I guess like we've experienced what it's like to like see that shitty side of music, maybe not to the same extent as like some other people get to see it, but like, of uh, that shit side of touring of like playing to fucking nobody and you know sleeping in a van and just being completely broke like yeah we've like we've experienced i personally haven't but there's guys in our bands that have experienced that yeah. and like um yeah it was kind of weird you know like none of us were expecting it it's not like we set out to be like hey let's just become super like this super huge band it was just like hey let's write a couple of songs and i don't know how or why it kind of took off so quickly but it kind of just did and yeah i guess for like the first year it almost felt like we had to like constantly justify ourselves like mm-hmm. yo 
fucking, you know, all right, like, hey, why, you know, even though we had a lot of, a lot of fans, I think it mainly came from, like, other bands that didn't think we were legit. It was, like, more of a, like, an in, uh, a, like, a an inner circle kind of thing and that it, we weren't, like, really accepted straight away. And it was kind of no. like, hmm, these guys must be... I don't know. These guys must not be legit if they've if if they've kind of had it all handed to them. But we kind of put ourselves through a lot of shit. The first like the first early stages of the band, like the first few tours we did, like were not good by any means. Like we toured <laughs> with shitty bands and played shitty shows. And yeah, well, I mean, you got to start somewhere, like, and you got to you got to you know yeah, put yourself on the like, map. You know, get yeah, yourself we didn't in front skip of people. That phase, you know, no. like we still did did the same kind of the same shit as any other band would like. Yeah, I don't know. I think we just tried to do as best as we could with what we had. Like, we knew that, okay, people are, you know, people are paying attention right now. It's all eyes on us, but, you know. It, well, it yeah, took a bit of pressure. time, too. I mean, it wasn't overnight success, like, by any means. I remember hearing about you guys because, you know, we were on Hopeless Records. Um, yeah. And Eric, you know, Eric Tobin, who runs the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. label, oh, yeah, him telling well, yeah. me he was, you know, he signed you guys and that you guys were, you know, going to be this huge thing. And I was like, okay, like, you know, and it was like everybody kept saying neck deep is going to be huge. Neck deep is going to be huge. And then it took a little longer, I think, that, you then know, then, then you guys all it thought. Was... And it wasn't until I'd say really your second album. album. Yeah, yeah. When it, when people album, really started think... to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. This band is, is for real. About yeah, that's what I mean. Like I think, well, yeah. If you like, I feel like there was probably a lot of pressure on us at, at that point as well. If you say, if you can say, um, like, but when we were writing that first record, and that first record, in my opinion, is one of it's a it's it's fine, it's okay, it's a it's a record, you know, like it's it's okay. Um, yeah, there was a lot of pressure, especially writing that record because it was our first record. It was like on a fucking, you know, it was on a label, and it was all this stuff, and you know, everyone had such like high expectations of it, and and it did well. Like, you know what I mean? Like, people still love songs off that record. We still play songs off that record. It's not like the record that we ignore, you know. So, yeah, around about that first record time, I think it was quite a lot of pressure on us in terms of like we had a position to almost try and solidify. And at that point, we'd only been a band for like a year, and yeah. a, maybe two, maybe two years, and it was not even that long—like a year, a year and a bit, maybe approaching two years. And that was a lot to take on, you know. At that point, we'd already toured America a couple of times, and like, fucking, yeah, had album, like EPs and albums under our belt, and like, it was just fucked. Like, it was crazy, and like, we had to learn to get good. Like, because that was one thing as well. We fucking sucked live for like the first two years of the being in a band. Like, if fuck we were we were bad live like i really had to learn how to sing like i had sung to myself in my bedroom and <laughs> that was fine and then going on tour though and singing every night for half an hour straight especially when you don't know how to sing at first is that was a, that was like something i had to get used to and well what people don't then, understand is that when you go you know you can sing in your bedroom or your shower or whatever and there's like kids out there that can sing pretty well and then they don't realize, like, when you get up there onto a stage and there's a loud-ass, you know, guitar, bass, drums right yeah. behind you, and you're at, like, some shitty 150-cap room, yeah. the monitors aren't you good. You can't hear shit. anything, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I, I really, like, you know, I don't think you, people you, understand how difficult it is. Yeah, and you have to, like, overcompensate, like, so much for it. And, like, a lot of the time, I think, as well, like, I still even do it now a, a little bit, like, I think over the last like year, my voice has gotten exponentially better. Like a bad day for me now would have been like my best day ever a couple of years ago. But <laughs> I like sometimes I do it now, like because we've been playing like these small like one-off shows recently, just like uh, on an off day. Like we've got one today, and we've been booking them and like purposely smaller rooms, uh, like no barrier, that kind of thing. And, yeah. Um, in those kind of scenarios, you get so into. Uh, the crowd and trying to put on a show that you almost like let technique slip away a little bit and i feel like that fucks me up sometimes especially if it's a show that i'm like super into i forget like a lot of technique and just like kind of just end up like fucking my voice up and especially if there's like a part where it's like a little bit of screaming or something right or like a slightly like some slightly more aggressive parts in it i'll just let the technique slip and just like oh, i know as soon as i do it like oh fuck i've 
I've racked my voice a little bit there. No, totally. I mean, take it easy for the rest of the set now. So yeah, well, I mean, you guys were, you know, you won the APMA award for best live band, <laughs> you know, and yeah, that 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 that's kind of fucking. I mean, that's cool. Like, yeah, thanks, thanks for giving us best live band. Appreciate it, but like. Man, there's bad life bands. Out well, there. I mean, that's out. the thing. It's like it's. I'm not going to say you're not a good live band. You know, I've seen you guys. I think you guys are a good live band for sure. But for you guys to already this short in your career, like most bands, it takes fucking years. Like, that's I mean, you guys I mean, are out yeah. with what Pierce the Veil right now, right? Yeah, yeah. that's a live band. And and yeah. we toured with Pierce the Veil back in like 2007, and like. Mm. They weren't good then. They they were fine. Like don't get me wrong. They were they were like Vic Vic can fucking sing. Always could. Mm. But the way they have their show together now, like they're incredible. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, and it, like, it just takes time. Yeah, like you know, like so we've been a band for just over like 5 years now. Um and sometimes like it takes a band 5 years to even break out. And you know, get people. Sometimes bands are playing playing music for five, six, seven years before they get any sort of recognition. I mean, true. that's a long time, but or even maybe three, four years. You know, like they're playing music for a while, and they're playing shows for a while, and they're writing music for a while. It was like for us, it was literally like, oh, first EP, sick, get out on tour. Like, you know, it was kind of like thrown in, thrown in at the deep end. Like, we didn't play a local show for, a, but I think that we didn't play a local show for a little while. But I think that's that benefited us because our local scene kind of needed a kick up the ass, and so it was like, hey, we're not going to play because like the promoters around here suck ass, and <laughs> yeah, and it sucks dick around here. So it would be better if we got out and you know, um, well, so yeah, like instantly we were thrown into the deep end though, and it wasn't like we had a lot of practice and a lot of like build up and a lot of like honing our skills. It was just like, there you go, you've got an EP, like how you go. So well, crazy. we talk about on this podcast, we, we say fake it till you make it all the time. And that's a common theme that a lot okay. of bands and a lot of singers have to do, because like you said, you get thrown into the deep end and you have to learn to swim. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, and I think it's, it's more a case of like, yeah, the first year or two is definitely just winging it, completely <laughs> winging it. Just like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, Hey, you know, you've never really had any attention on you whatsoever anyway. Like, you are just normal guy facing the crowd, everyday person. Now, here's an interview for, like, this big magazine. This big magazine wants to interview. Like, I've never been interviewed before unless it was for a job. Like, I don't know how to do this. You kind of just have to <laughs> have to realize what it is and what it is, like, that you need to say. And, like, yeah. you know, or, like, and, and I don't know. I guess that's kind of another thing that vocalists kind of struggle with is almost, like, creating this persona because i feel like there's 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 um there's being a front man and there's being a vocalist you know and like i don't know i I don't know which category i'd fall into because i don't feel like i have like this crazy extroverted personality like i don't know like say like an ollie sykes would have like i'm not that kind of guy like i'm not the kind of guy who's gonna go and fucking smash a load of drugs and like create this big fucking scene and like have this huge like allure to me as this as a, like a personality i guess right. that's just how i am you know um but then ollie sykes but, is kind of introverted when he's not on stage too you know he's yeah, kind of like, like a subdued kind of guy too you know yeah so well, it, it's it you know it, it is interesting man that whole that whole dynamic of you when you're on stage you're expected to be this this extroverted crazy guy and then mm. if you do that when you're not on stage you're an asshole yeah pretty much pretty much yeah and like yeah it's trying to find that that balance between like like i don't know do like my thing at least or at least my like i don't know if i had a thing if i had to say it was a thing was that like i don't i am a bit of a fucking introvert like i don't go crazy on social media i don't go like you know, I don't go asking for a bunch of shit. I don't go like I, I do kind of keep myself to myself. And I think it's maybe that's part of my thing is maybe just being a little bit mysterious. I guess. Right. Like being the being the more subdued kind of vocalist guy like who who doesn't want all this attention. But then I don't know if that's to my detriment or not, because everyone expects the front guy like the front man to have all of the fucking attention and like to want all of the attention and to control all of the attention. But I don't think that's me. I don't really want to control. Well, it's really changed, man. Like the way that that stuff is perceived, you know, like nowadays with, like you said, social media, everybody's got a Twitter account, you know, people at any time of day 
can post a picture of themselves hanging out, whatever, doing something like, you know, back in the 80s or the 90s even for that matter, like all those huge bands, they were all mysterious. They all had mysterious personalities. People, there was so much misinformation about like, you know, oh, you know, Kurt Cobain's this way or Axl Rose has this done this crazy shit, but there was no like humanizing them, you know, whereas now it's like someone some singer in a band like posts a picture of him like walking in the park with his daughter and you're like oh he's like just like a normal guy yeah yeah and i think that's that's yeah that's that's definitely something that i've had to kind of like come to terms with is like not that i want to be seen as this like mysterious like ooh crazy like he's you know this real different deep guy it's just like I don't really want the fucking world knowing every little detail about my life, which I feel like I'll, like some people maybe do a little bit too much. And they go yeah. a little bit like social media is great. Like, don't get me wrong. I have a Twitter account. I have an Instagram account and you know, whatever, but I don't want everybody knowing little, every intricate detail of my fucking life. And, and I look back at people like, uh, at, well, just look back at like the, the pre, uh, social media era, and it was like the only times you would get to see glimpses of your favorite bands would be from like interviews or, you know, like tour documentaries or things like that. Yeah. And it gave them this kind of like this aura about them that was like yeah, this special like character that I, you know, and then when you go to see them live, seeing them live in person, like, oh, my God, that this happens at every show I go to every every show that I go to that's like a big kind of like legendary band and i think everyone does it everyone looks at the stage and goes holy fuck that's dave grohl right right there you know what i mean oh holy shit that's like the red hot chili peppers like right there like 100 meters away from me or something like that and it was that allure in the first place that made me like fall in love with bands like blink like but then again, I think Blink did it slightly differently. I think Blink were halfway between the era of like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, like Nirvana and stuff. And, and absolutely and because this era, they because they still put out like tons of tour documentaries and they were still really active in promoting their own personalities. Absolutely, and, you know, like they put their personalities out there big time. So absolutely, and Green Day too was like that too. They, those those yeah. two bands for sure. Um, you know, but there are still some instances, you know, of today's bands. Like the one uh, guy I can think of is like jesse lacy of brand new who is still very mysterious like i don't know if he has social media he might i don't you know they're such a mysterious band (laughs) you know and no one really knows kind of what they're up to or what they're thinking and i think Mm. that that gives them a certain allure and a certain coolness um Mm. you know with they're the band that can basically do no wrong (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah, so I, I don't know if it's I don't know if that's what I've been intentionally going for though. I think it was more just a case of like I don't really want people to know like everything about me. You know, what I mean, like I don't want people like I post about like me and my girlfriend every now and again, but I don't really like writing songs about our current relationship at least too in depth because I don't want people to know what my relationship is like. You know what I mean? I don't want people to know like what's going on in my life. I just want to be someone that writes music and, uh, and plays shows. And that's, and that's pretty much it. So when you write lyrics, when you write lyrics, are are you trying to be vague sometimes because there's some fear of, of maybe somebody Mm. figuring you out? Is that ever coming to your head now that you know, like literally millions of people are going to hear these songs? Uh, I don't know if it's like trying to be vague. I don't think it's trying to be vague, but I know that there's a line when writing lyrics that it's like, that's too real. Like that's too much. That's like too, it's too literal. It's too real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So sometimes I don't know if it's like trying to not be too vague, but sometimes I think like if you're being super literal and super like, this is what happened or like this is, or, you know, or like this is exactly how it is. It can sometimes sound like a bit cheesy, a bit corny, but like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's a bit cheap to me. I feel like if you, you know, uh, having that poetic license and being able to, you know, um, uh, kind of put things into metaphors or whatever, like I feel like that just makes a better lyricist kind of thing. Like I totally a lot get of, it. I mean, but like, but then again, some of the best, the best lyricists are like really literal. It, it depends on style. Like truly it is down to style. And I think my lit, like my, like, um, 
like lyrical style is there's a little it's a little bit of a mix but i would say generally tends to be yeah not so literal not so like yeah this is how it is no there's you're right and there's some guys that can pull it off like you know when i think of one of the greatest lyricists ever is like morrissey and you Mm, know like super literal yeah so like like, the one thing can, I read about him make a once, song out of a 30 second scene, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you know, he has and he has no fear, you know, he'll yeah, say he'll, he'll use vocabulary and words and stuff that like, I just don't think I could pull off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I read Mar- Morrissey lyrics from time to time and just think like, how do you fucking think of this? Even like, but his melodies are super weird, too. Like, that was the thing, like, as a as a youngster, like a little bit younger, maybe like a teen. Uh, like an early teenager, a lot of my friends listened to like the Smiths, and they mm-hmm. were all big indie heads, and really loved indie. And uh, Morrissey and the Smiths weren't catchy enough for me back then. Right. I don't know why it wasn't. It didn't get me. His melodies weren't catchy enough. They were always sometimes a bit, a bit too weird. Uh, but then, as I kind of got a bit more mature and started like seeing the world for you know, through, through, uh, slightly more experienced eyes that I kind of was like, Oh, okay. Like I, I get right. what Morrissey's kind of talking about here. Or like, um, you just, you know, as you get older, you, your views on things change and your taste changes a little bit here and there. And yeah. So when I was kind of like in my later teens, I guess I started seeing like, Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Morrissey's Morrissey's sick, but it was, it was more his lyrical content yeah. that, that got me just like, yeah, how do you talk? How do you talk about that shit? Like how? How do you? How do you work that into a song? And but that's inspiring. And like another Absolutely. another lyricist that I, who again baffles my mind and is almost on the other end of the scale as well. Sometimes you don't have a fucking clue what he's talking about. Is um, Anthony Kiedis from the Chili Peppers? Like, right? What the fuck are his lyrics? Like, yeah, there's some, a lot like, of babbling drug references. I think. Yeah, that's that's kind <laughs> of yeah. That's I've I've read up on it uh, recently because like. Um, well, me and my girl are just huge Chili Peppers fans and we'd be singing along and she would sing a different lyric to me and I'd be like, no, it says this. And she'd be like, no, it says this. And I'm like, no, it says this. So we'd look up the lyrics and then be like, oh, okay, so it does say that, but what the fuck does this mean? And then, yeah, they tend to just be drug references or songs about his ex-girlfriends mostly. Yeah. But he does it in such a way that is, yeah, like really almost hard to decode sometimes. Like, um... Well, he's, yeah, and the so, guy's definitely flip flop going into a, going into like a, into a bridge is sick. Just yelling flip flop, sick. <laughs> if, you can, if you can get away with doing that, that's sick. <laughs> yeah, well, he, that guy's seen some shit, so you know, I think that helps. But um, yeah. well, you talk about yeah, you talk about you know your early life a little bit. Can we jump back? Because um, I don't know how much you've done podcasts. You know, having a okay. nice long format is great to kind of you know for people to listen to and kind of understand you know what makes you yeah. tick and. Um, so I know you grew up in Wales, yeah. Um, and I mean Wales had kind of a crazy music scene back you yeah. know, when you were younger. And I'm yeah. I'm kind of wondering um, if you were aware of that music scene and if it inspired you at all, and just how you kind of got into punk rock. Yeah, very very aware of it. When I was, well, my 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 roots. Uh, I have my older brothers to like fully thank for everything, you know, like I put it in perspective for a lot of people. Sometimes people try and grill me on my musical, um, knowledge, my musical knowledge. Yeah. And is I'm this, like, is this Seb you're talking about? Uh, Seb. So I have two brothers. Yep. Um, so Seb is my, is my older brother, but he's only older than me by like two years, two, three years. Yep. And we were always really close. He's like genuinely one of my best friends. But then I have, and then there's like quite a big age gap between Seb and my older brother, who was like the the wise man who would like show me and Seb all this cool music and would be like, hey, listen to Green Day. Hey, I've got green hair and I listen to Bad Religion and I skate. Right. And, I, and it's like, it was just this older influence that kind of, yeah, who, who kind of just pointed us in the right direction. So like. He was huge into uh, into grunge and punk, and his favorite bands were like Pearl Jam and Bad Religion. And he always had fucking green, crazy hair, and he was always <laughs> skating, and he was always going to shows, and just this huge punk. And um, yeah, like me and my brother, just I like never questioned it. We're always just like, yeah, he's cool. Like we love our brother. Like he shows us cool stuff. He he takes us skateboarding. Like he shows us good music and. 
So, you know, you know, like when people grill me on my musical knowledge, I'm like, let me put it in perspective. I was fucking like seven years old when Take Off Your Pants and Jacket came off. Most people <laughs> were like, oh, I was like 16, 17. You know, I had, I was in the peak of my like musical discovery phase. I was like, I was young, dude. Like, so sometimes people try and grill me on that, that shit. And I'm out, like, actually. How old? I was in college when that record came out. Oh yeah, that's what I mean. Like I was way younger. I was way way younger, and I was just I was just heavily influenced by by my brothers. So yeah. So but, what, what, what yeah. was the transition from you know being thinking your brother was cool skateboarding to like actually being like, hey, I'm gonna pick up a guitar. I'm gonna like you know start um, start a band. That was when. See, this is where Seb becomes an influence to me now. Is like when I saw Seb joining bands and shit. That's when I started going oh, sick, like, band world, you know what I mean? Like, ooh, like, going to shows with Seb and, like, seeing Seb play shows and, like, seeing how a show goes and, like, uh, seeing what band practice is like and, like, even my first experience of, like, I remember when Seb came back from recording, like, an EP with him and I was like, what was it, what's recording like? Like, what's that like? You know what I mean? That's when it, so he was probably about 13, 14, 15-ish, like, just teenager. Uh, and I was maybe, like, 11, 12, and then, th- like, into my teens. So, like, that preteen, like, in the UK at least, like, just starting high school, Yeah, uh, that's when I was kind of like, oh, cool, like, I'm going to maybe pick up a guitar or, you know, I'm going to start going to shows more regularly. And, you know, that's when I started making friends who were um, – who were into the similar sort of music as me in school. I didn't really have anyone who was who liked the same sort of music as me. Um, yeah, it was just a small town and everyone was just kind of into like hip hop or like shit chart music really. So it was me and like a couple of other guys in school who were into, into blink and that was pretty much it really. Uh, yeah, so no. all of my musical, like my musical side of things were shared with my brother and probably most, mostly his friends, I would say actually. So, Right. Well, I mean, with the local scene, I mean, I mean, in Wales, you know, the the bands that were big at the time, like I think of, you know, Funeral for a Friend. Yeah. I think of Lost late. Profits. I think of yeah. the Blackout. They're all Welsh yeah, bands, were, right? Yeah, they were the three. I'd say they were the three uh, big ones that kind of broke out. Um, like, yeah, that was huge. I remember Lost Profits, like Shinobi versus Dragon Ninja coming out when I was like super, super young. I remember like... Um, having this sticker at a local skate park and like trying to get this sticker to the top of this huge ramp like fuck i gotta get that up there but like yeah i hope you didn't get it it. i hope you didn't get it i hope that lost profit sticker isn't up there anymore uh no you know i I think that skate skate park isn't there anymore oh well perfect this is when it was fine to like lost profits yeah this is when it was a good thing to like lost profits but uh, yeah i didn't want to mention them but like they were they were an important band back then yeah they were for for a minute they were and um yeah, and but you know that was, everyone was fully aware of it and was fully onto those bands and like especially like bands like Funeral because Funeral I feel like maybe came a little bit after Lost Profits more around the time of the Blackout, uh, but Funeral were great. Like Funeral broke out in the US, which is you know yeah. to an extent, which is which is something that you don't really hear about and people sometimes I think forget nowadays that like yeah Funeral fully made it out here and like did tour did plenty of touring out here and. Um, yeah, but that was really important to, like, the Welsh scene, I would say. I would say, like, a lot of people's favorite band for a long time was Funeral. You can ask so many people and they'll say Funeral's my favorite band. Um, and, yeah, it did inspire, and that, that sound almost, that that Funeral kind of, like, raw, half, like, post-hardcore, emo-y, but also kind of, like, punky and rocky kind of like i don't know it was a strange kind of kind of kind of sound coming out of the uk at that time there was also a band yeah. at the time coming out of the uk called hundred reasons who okay. were like this weird like indie rock but kind of punky band like it was it it seemed like these bands always had like a few genres in there is and yeah it's great though like that era of uk music was really sick like obviously the uk has always been huge uh, musical export place. I think that's why you know uh, if we didn't have some of the music that we've we've brought out in the past couple of decades, and people would write the UK off. But as far as music goes and exporting, like yeah, like no, I think I mean like per capita, I think the UK probably has the most successful bands. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if that's a statistic or not, but 
I think I read House something. Small, yeah, right. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, right. like, it is it's totally crazy, crazy how many good bands come out from from House Small. Yeah, but yeah, um, bands like Funeral. I'm trying to think who else would have been it. Like at the time as well. Like uh, maybe like a little bit after Funeral. After that, I would say like maybe Enter Shikari for a while and like Bring Me the Horizon. Like when they were first starting out, they were influential bands. Like probably almost getting on ten years now. Like yeah. for about 10 years ago maybe they were influential bands because they were the young hype bands of that time you know and Shikari had like two EPs out or something like that and everyone they would be selling out venues across the UK uh, same with Bring Me like um, and yeah it's always been this good steady progression and and at that time like our local music scene was great because we had Bring Me coming through we had Ender Shikari coming through we had uh, a bunch of heavy bands coming through we had I think you guys might have even rolled through a, a, a couple of times. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, through Wrexham Central Station. Absolutely, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh fuck, we had a big fest one year that was called uh, Taste of Chaos, and it was like Suicide Silence, Bring Me the Horizon, uh, some obscure like death and grindcore bands. Like, but that was sick, and I think like for some reason it died out where we were from for a little bit like uh i think the promoter started uh like he i think he fell out with the venue he worked at okay. and like maybe moved on to i think he started promoting in the town over and right just slowly the music scene started dying like a lot of the bands that were starting just didn't do anything and just didn't want to be bands anymore well, that's what you said you said you know that your local scene was shit and that you didn't really you didn't really see a need, you know, to, to be a local band at that time. And you know, now nowadays, you you know, you said you you've played more stuff locally in Wales and stuff. But um, so so that was that kind of the motivation that and seeing other bands break out overseas and stuff that you you were like, you know, um, we can so. do this. Yeah, I think. Well, we never thought that we would break out overseas. Like that was a complete like left field. Like didn't have no idea that would happen. But, like, yeah, it was definitely, like, the not playing local shows, I think, was definitely kind of a fuck you to the, to the, to the dying music scene. Like, the, well, the music scene that had kind of let itself die. Like, yeah. almost like a, well, you know, like, you're not supporting us anymore. Like, if we played local shows, what the fuck, you know, you're going to probably, I don't know, it'd be, it'd be shit. They'd probably fuck us over. They'd probably make us play some terrible, terrible support slots. And, you know, this is the kind of promoter that would make my brother go and sell tickets right. uh, for the shows. Pay and would play be like, shit, oh, yeah. yeah, and maybe give him and literally pay him like five pounds, pay the band five pounds after playing like a shitty support slow, uh, support show. Like, pff, yeah, that sucked. Oh, I remember my brother played a show with um, this Scottish band called Flood of Red, who are fucking sick. I love Flood of Red. And uh, the old, you know... Um, Confide, yeah. You remember the band Confide? Yep. You know Ross Kenyon. Uh, he was in a band called Penknife Love Life. They pulled out, and Flood of Red still played, and my brother's band supported. And I remember like it was going to be like the sickest show ever, like Penknife Love Life, Flood of Red, and like ten people showed up, and it was uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he had to sell tickets for that, and his band, his band, literally got paid one pound each. <laughs> so well yeah. you can get a 99p uh greg sandwich so that's great yeah that was perfect. literally what it was yeah yeah perfect so. man uh well i mean you guys have obviously like you know come a long way from the local scene days and um you know you're on tour with pierce the veil now what like was kind of struck me about you guys is not only did you guys get this sort of you know very like a lot of hype early on and a lot of success early on but also kind of a lot of love from sort of some big names, um, you know, I mean, you know, you guys having Mark Hoppus, uh, yeah, uh, Chris Caraba, both doing features. Yeah, the, the Mark Hoppus thing still um, fucking blows my and, mind. And then, you know, Jeremy from A Day to Remember producing your, your record. Like, how did this all come about? And, and were you guys just like, you know, going back to the, you know, fuck neck deep, their shit mate, you know, kind of thing? Like, were you surprised that you guys these people were really taking you like kind of under their wing. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. Like the way that like the Mark thing happened was basically we found out that he liked us and he kind of tweeted about us a few times and then we were just cheeky as fuck. And we're basically like, Hey, 
we know you like us. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like kind of pestered him almost like annoying little fucking kids. Just like, Hey Mark, like, you know, and we played that one show with them, uh, in, in London and like, we got to meet him then. And I think like he genuinely, he genuinely likes us. I think Mark does like, so, sure. I, but I think it was just the case of us like, yeah, being, being kind of like cheeky little kids almost like, cause there's someone at our label who, who is like pretty good friends with them, like hangs out with them on a, on a fairly regular basis. And we were like constantly asking her like, Hey, has Mark said anything about us recently? <laughs> like, Hey, like, can you, like, can you say hi to Mark for us? And just like, kind of, and I think like he was just kind of like when we asked him to sing on, on like there's so many parts on that record though, that I was like, fuck, I can hear Mark's voice on this. Like I, it would be perfect. Like it would yeah. just be so perfect. Like, even though like we weren't like looking for guest spots, like it wasn't like we were trying to get people for guest spots, but because it was Mark Hoppus, we were like, Oh God, it just would, it would just be perfect. Sure. Um, the whole like December two having two people on December was, was actually like almost like a, that idea kind of came from label. Like, right, because hey, you guys have just so both. people know that that don't know, you had an acoustic version with which Chris Caraba did a feature on, and then an, a rock version which had Mark Hoppus, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And there's two separate videos, but they kind of like lead on to each other, and yeah. it's this whole story and shit. And, like, yeah, great idea. Like, worked well. Kind of confusing, personally. I think it's kind of confusing, but I think it worked well, and kids like really locked up. I think it's so, a cool idea. But yeah. it was kind of a label idea. Um, yeah, I was surprised that Chris Caraba wanted to do it as well. Like he was, again, when, like I said before, like, uh, playing like acoustic shows and acoustic music, like Dashboard Confessional. Him, Dashboard and City and Color, like that was like all I listened to for probably good two good two years, <laughs> good wow, two years man. straight. I was, I was big into my uh, into my like uh, acoustic-y, kind of folky shit. Um, and yeah, like Dashboard was a huge influence. And sure. even back in the day, like Dashboard was a huge influence as well. Like my brother was, I remember my brother like real deep into his emo phase, like real <laughs> big on the my like MySpace times. Like, um, yeah, constantly uh, it was it was Dashboard. Dashboard was, you know, he was the he was the songbird for that for that uh, for that little period of time, I think, and really did like kind of capture a capture kind of an. Um, a, I mean, kind of captured like not the vibe of a scene like almost captured like an attitude kind of thing you know that sad boy kind of attitude <laughs> and it worked really well so absolutely uh, yeah on that song it was great and with jeremy uh mckinnon uh you know vocalist of the data member obviously how did you get in touch with him and and uh andrew wade and you guys made the last record with him are you going to work with them again uh-uh. Well, for for once, it wasn't us pestering someone. So they, like, he actually like came to us and was like, "Well, basically, we were meant to just be doing the record with just with just Andrew Wade." Like, yeah, and he kind of hijacked it and was like, "Because him and Wade are best friends," and so he was just like, "I'm working on this now too. Like, I don't care. I'm doing it." Like, like so when Phil went to meet with Wade, um in florida jeremy was there and was like you have to let me do this like please like i'm so stoked i know i can do something good with it like and you know we'd met a few other people here and there and we were kind of feeling it out like who did we want to produce the record and we just got the best vibes off jeremy in terms of like absolutely like enthusiasm and like i feel like he was the right person to kind of handle what we were doing at, at, at that stage in our career like um he knows what it's like to come from, you know, a, being a small band to being this huge band. You know, the progression of that band has, has been something that I guess, like, any band could look up to, especially any young band can look up to. Like, you know, uh, their trajectory was, was was crazy. But they also yep. worked hard for what they had, so he knows what it's about. And he's written, you know, Days to Remember have got a fair few releases. I think they're on album four or five now. And so he's sure. he's written albums before, you know, so we... We trusted him with it, and yeah, he 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 was stoked on. He was he came to us. He was like super stoked on us. So that was that was refreshing, you know. And that was always a good thing to to have someone so like keen to work with us, and not just us be like chasing people up. And it maybe be like, oh yeah, you're just another job to me, right. so I'll do it. But yeah, like, 
Jeremy gave. Like he gave a fuck. So. Yeah, he doesn't produce records all the time. He's you know no. so so it totally makes sense. And do you think you're gonna go back to uh, Andrew and Jeremy? Um, it's up in the air at the minute. We are currently at that point in deciding what we're gonna right. do with this next record. We're kind of like, what? Yeah, what do we do? Um, I personally like loved working with Wade and and Jeremy and like I don't know, like you said, Jeremy doesn't produce records all the time. I think Jeremy. <laughs> Whether Jeremy would do a third record, I don't even know because he's, you know, he's put his stamp somewhere, and I don't think he's the type to like just uh, kind of force himself on things and be like, "Well, I did the last record, so I must have to do this one." I think he was pretty happy with with the last one, but I think it. I think Wade's like Wade is up there. Wade, we're sticking with Wade as like our. At the minute, I think we we, we want to go back to Wade. You think he'll be involved? Yeah. Yeah, at Absolutely. the minute we think like we, we we should go we should go back to Wade. We're kind of looking around and seeing what's going on, but Wade is Wade is a genius. Yeah, he yeah. he is a fucking genius. He works awesome. so hard, man. And as a songwriter, producer, engineer, um, mixer, yeah, ridiculously talented. So awesome. It would make yeah, it'd be stupid not to. I think, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Very cool. Um, yeah, I got to ask you about an incident the other night. Uh, in Grand Rapids, I heard a girl ran on stage and tried to kiss you. So uh, it wasn't a girl. That was a that was a fully grown. Oh, it was a dude. Female woman. Yeah. Oh, was, it was a female. Uh, oh, okay. It was a fully yeah, grown female. Yeah, it was woman. a okay. woman. Like, yeah, she. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like the more the, the fact she tried to like kiss me. I mean, that is annoying in itself. Like, that is fucking annoying if someone would try to just kiss me. But it was more the fact that she like grabbed my face and oh, like, yeah. to, like pull me in and like it was just like what the fuck are you doing like that's why i said to her just like what are you doing like yeah are you why are you here why are you here if that's what you think is like an acceptable thing to do like just come up grab my face and try to kiss me how do you know that like i don't want to kiss you you might want to kiss me but <laughs> i don't want to kiss you like yeah that is like you know i mean technically when it comes down to it that is like some kind of sexual harassment, surely. Like, yeah, not sexual assault. It it, that, it, but, I mean, you know. you know, I mean, sure, but yeah, it's technically, technically yeah. that's what it is. Get the fuck out of my grill. Like, how would you like it if uh, if a dude came up to you and grabbed your face in public and tried to kiss you? You'd be freaked out. Like, don't do it to me. Plus, as well, you're like a grown woman. I'm sure you, you, she looked like some, she could be someone's mom. It looked like she might have taken her kids to the show. Like, what? So you like, think? Well, I mean, so you think that? you think she should have known better? I guess is what you're saying. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, right. absolutely! Like, yeah, and it was just kind of like why? Like it, it, again, like it coming back to the whole trying to trying to kind of be a bit low key and like keep myself to myself so that people right is is a lot of it is so that shit like that doesn't happen is so that people don't <laughs> try and like idolize me and try and like you know put me on a pedestal and think that I'm this 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 thing that they can just idolize and worship and like therefore they can do whatever they want and it justifies their weird behavior because it's in their eyes celebrity you know what i mean and celebrity is this weird commodity that society now has is like celebrities are celebrities they are there to be ogled at there to be kind of swooned over there to be you know they're almost these pieces of meat that we can just like kind of focus all of our desire and attention and i don't want to fucking be that like i right. don't want to be a fucking celebrity i don't want to be uh i don't want to be like all that and i don't want to be like I, I would like to be looked up to for what i do for what for the art that i create and for sure. the words that i put out for the message that i i put across but not just because of you know oh i'm doing a band like fucking sick like so fucking cool like fucking <laughs> like when people come up to me and say like oh like people that i knew like people from back home are like oh you're famous now i'm like no 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 i'm not <laughs> I'm like i'm not famous like please don't don't tar me with that brush like i don't know and i'm just trying to escape that and i think that like that shit that happened the other night i think that's a that's a product of yeah that that fame almost like that like yeah being put out there and people kind of putting you on a pedestal it just but it, for some reason it makes people think that they can do whatever they want and that yeah. people are just going to be fine with it like 
oh, I can go up and kiss that guy. He's going to be fine with it because he's in a band and it must happen to him all the time. Like, well, actually, no, it fucking doesn't happen to me all the time and I don't like it when you do that, so please fucking don't do it. Like, well, I appreciate that you're honest and that you're saying what you mean because it's happened to me numerous times over the last, you know, 15 years where girls come up and kiss me on stage and I always play it off like it's okay and it's like, oh, it's cute or it's funny. And I don't know why I do that because I don't feel that way. Like, I feel like that's not cool and I don't want you to kiss me. But for some reason, it's like this weird performer in me that wants to be cool and doesn't want to make it like a big deal. You know, so I I respect that you are like, you know what? Fuck off. Yeah, I feel like it can be it can be difficult to. Yeah, especially like. Especially if it was like, uh, I don't know. I feel like the reason I reacted so much to this one as well, though, is because it was like a woman and like a grown woman is like, you should fucking know better. If it was a girl, I would have just moved my head out of the way and just ignored it and just kind of like carried on. But this time I was like, yo, like actually what the fuck are you doing? Like fucking respect the fact that I'm a person and not a piece of meat. Like give me some of my fucking personal space. Like don't just grab my face and think that you can kiss me. Like, if it was, like, you know, if if it... And I don't think she was a genuine fan either. I think that she was probably just a drunk mom at the show. Like, if it was a genuine <laughs> fan, I wouldn't want to, like, piss off a genuine fan. You know what I mean? Like, if okay. they were a genuine fan of the band, I wouldn't want to be like, oh, here, I'm just about to embarrass you in front of 500 people. Like, I wouldn't want to do that. But right. it was, like... Um, yeah, and I think... I've tried to put that out, like, a bunch, though, of just, like, hey, please respect the fact that I don't want to be some fucking dumbass cock star celebrity. Like, and I think people are starting to respect that now, at least with like, with me, like I know that people, most people wouldn't just assume that they can do that and get, and like, and that I'll think it's cool. Like I'm not fucking Ronnie Radke. Like I'm not fucking in asking Alexandria. Like I'm not a rock star. Like, please don't assume that I am one. And therefore that I can just take and handle and do whatever the fuck I want. Like nah. I'm a pretty, like I'm pretty down to earth guy. Like I have a girlfriend. I fucking, I'm from a very small town. Like I still speak to my family and my friends every day. Like I'm not fucking doing drugs and getting drunk every night and being a fuckhead. Like, Yep. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't want that. I don't know. I don't want that. I feel like that's just the quickest way to burn yourself out. So, well, hey, I I agree with you, and it's it's good that you guys are are still are young, but you still get it, and that you. Uh, I think you guys have a long career ahead of you and uh, many great Thank records. You, so it's Thank great, you, dude. It's so good to talk to you. Um, thanks for taking the time. I know it's morning. I know you got a show. You got a show tonight. Uh, yeah, we're at the Emerson Theater in... Oh, Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. boy. That's a shithole. Really good. Cool. <laughs> Sick. No, Sick. That's, a, that's a terrible venue, but it'll be... I'm sure Ooh. it'll be packed out, and it'll be crazy, so... Yeah, yeah. Most of them have, which is good. Like, it's good to go back to the roots and do these shows, so... Absolutely, except when there's no barricade and women can just come uh, slurp Apart you. Apart from that, yeah. 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 If, you're, if, you're, if you're an elder woman or a slightly older woman listening to the podcast, just because there isn't a barrier doesn't mean that you can get on stage and kiss somebody 10 years younger than you. <laughs> well, okay. Um, so you're not into the older women, I guess. Um, not all the women like that, no. <laughs> oh, dude. Well, hey, man, thank you again so much, um... Yeah, anything else to add? Anything else you want to plug? Um, nah, we're, we're, you know, after this tour, we're kind of laying low. We're going to be writing some new music. So, you know, if after this tour, uh, we dip off the radar for a minute, we haven't, we haven't died. We're not dead. We're not giving up. We're, we're working on some new shit. So nice. Just be patient with us after this. And, um, yeah, but other than that, just like if anyone's, uh, if anyone's listening and is a big fan, just thank you for listening and supporting and believing in us because, can do without you. So there you go. Hell yeah! Well, you're you're, you're a very sweet guy. Uh, one Thank one last you. thing before I let you go. We always play music on this show, um, so I'd love to play a neck deep song. Uh, okay. What one should we play for the people? Uh, my one of my personal favorites off the record, and one that I've really been enjoying playing live recently is "I Hope This Comes Back to Haunt You." And what's uh, what's this song about? Um, the song is about. Um, 
it's kind of it's it's a bit it's, it's got a dynamic to the song because it starts off like real slow it's it's quite a building you know it starts off just one single guitar just this little like this little pick little uh this little pick ditty and then it breaks into like this really rhythmic kind of bouncy chorus and yeah um it's really but I, as far as lyrics go it's it's a typical girl song it's a, it's a song about a girl <laughs> you know sometimes sometimes that's all the song needs to be about and um yeah, Hell yeah, it's just about a girl. It's about hey, a girl, man. but then the ending is all about it. Gives you this nice perspective on on life, you know. Afterwards, you know, um, it's got this real positive, big, almost crowdy ending. Cool. And um, yeah, if you're going through a shitty time, I think the end will help you out, and hopefully you can relate. Uh, but I just think it's a cool song. Perfect. So. Well, hey, I've written lots of songs about girls, so I totally back it. <laughs> <laughs> well, here it is, man. Uh, all right. I hope this comes back to haunt you by Neck Deep on Lead Singer Syndrome. Thanks again, Ben, so much, Yeah, dude. no worries. All the best. Thank you, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, dude. I sat inside with a heavy heart Just wish you would think of me Are you listening? Ran round in circles till after dark Didn't get very far Wasn't meant to be I never thought it would be this hard It feels like you walked through I hope this comes back to haunt you I hope this comes back to haunt you And maybe you would know just how it felt to be like me Charlie.